um, would not be good today for me. And so, I'm sparing you <laughs> today <clears throat> as we get into the last set of the three sets of judgments that we have in the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, understand that these judgments of God are just and true. Every single one of them. They're just and true. God is not flying off the handle. He's just not mad at humanity. And uh, he has just lost his cool and is now on a terror. It's not like he was having one of those days. And it's like, that's it. I'm done. It's not like that at all. All of these judgments that we have been covering and we are going going to cover are well calculated. For you see, humanity has been forewarned about God's judgments. Every one of these judgments is justified. He is giving them something that they He's not giving them something that they don't deserve. He's actually giving them what they deserve. It's exactly what he, he said he would. You see, his word spells out all his judgments. Every one of his judgments are spelled out on, in his word. They're all over the place. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, to, from the beginning to the end, God has forewarned humanity about the judgments that were to come. And, and so it's not like he hasn't warned humanity about these judgments. Now, before we do get into our text this morning, which is in Revelation chapter 16, I want to take you back to Revelation chapter 11. If you would turn with me, to Revelation chapter 11, beginning in verse 15. We will read it to the end of the chapter. And when we get to the end of the chapter, now you can turn back to Revelation 16, and we will read through our text this morning. And I'm doing this because this is the way it flows. When you're kind of trying to go chronologically through Revelation, it should go from Revelation chapter 11 to the end and right into chapter 16 because I shared with you last week, we got into chapters 12, 13, 14, and, they, and even 15, and they were just kind of um, not chronologically, chronological. So verse 15 of chapter 11 says, Then the seventh angel sounded. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our, our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great." And shall destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. Verse 1 of chapter 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, pour out, uh, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who, those who worshipped his image. Then the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, 
and it became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature in the sea died. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink, for it is their just due. And another, and I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and power was given to him to scorch men with fire, and men were scorched with great heat. And they blasphemed the name of God, who had power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Let us stop right there. Father, please, by your spirit, Lord God, fall upon me as I share this portion of scripture. I pray for my brothers and sisters that Jesus, you would open their ears to let them hear what your spirit says to them. And so, Father, go with us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Going back to verse 1 as we begin our text this morning. When he says, then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Now we could say, I guess we could say that John, the Apostle John, has been hearing a lot of voices throughout his time in this vision that the Lord has been sharing with him. I don't know exactly how long this vision lasted could have lasted a second, could have lasted days, I don't know, except that he has been caught up to heaven, he has been involved in this whole scenario that we've been studying throughout the book of Revelation, and he has been hearing voices. Now in this instance, it is not a bad thing to hear voices. Some people hear voices and you're going, they're a little loony. They're hearing things that aren't there. But not this man. He is hearing some voices, some loud voices. And so as John has been going through all this, he is constantly looking at all that is going on around him and before him. He is hearing everything that is going on around him and before him. And he is writing down everything that he is supposed to write down. Now, there are so many things that are probably happening at the same time everywhere. And there are certain things that he was to write down. And I am sure, as I'm looking at this, as I'm studying this, I'm sure there was a lot of other things that he just didn't write down that we just didn't need to know about today, right now, in this time frame. And perhaps when we get to heaven, we will see it all understand it all, but for right now, what we have here is what we need to know, what he wrote down for us, because there was times that that John was about to write, and he says, don't write this down, and it's like, what was that? It's like, I don't know, but again, he was supposed to be writing things down that he was told to write down, and he does. Now, we have to believe that everything that we have in the Word of God is all we need to know. I know there are people who are going, well, there are certain things and there are certain books that aren't in here and there's certain, and they're questioning it at all. Everything about the Word of God, they question it. And I'm thinking, but everything we need that God wanted us to know is right here in His Word. Everything. Both sides of every issue that we are to know here on earth are already in His Word. And people want to speculate as to what he didn't write in there. It's like, dude, you can't even do what he's already told you you need to do. And, and it's interesting because people, man, they, they, they just want so much more. But you know what? He has given us everything we need to know when it comes to salvation. He has shown us and warned us everything we need to know about judgment. If there's something further than that, you don't need to know it right now. I don't need to know it right now. 
If you want to speculate on all those kinds of things that are going on that, that aren't in his word, that, then again, it's like, are you understanding what the, the, the seriousness of his word is already? And doing that. Because that should keep you busy forever. <laughs> Just what you do know. Instead of trying to speculate what you don't know. But the loud voice that comes from the temple... This is the same temple that we studied last week where, where it was kind of shut off from everything. It's the same temple that, that the smoke of, 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 uh, uh, filled the temple which represented the, the, the presence of, of God. It speaks of His glory. People know the Shekinah glory. That, that, that's the, the, the glory of who God is in the Hebrew back in, in the Old Testament. And usually when it speaks of a loud or, or, or a voice, a loud voice, it, it's often been the voice of Jesus that we have heard, that have been giving these commands when we're reading in the book of Revelation that, that, that the commands that went out, it was the voice of Jesus. But could it be, is it possible, that right now this voice could be God himself speaking. Now, I tend to lean more to the fact that it was Jesus, but they are one in the same. But I tend to think that as he's giving out these judgments, these kinds of commands, Jesus was the one that was worthy to open the scroll and to loose the seals. Understand that the seals that were broken back in chapter 6 all have to do with all these judgments that we have been covering, as I told you before. You know, the seven, the seven seals were, were open, and the seventh one opened up the trumpets that came out, and the, the last trumpet was, was what opened up these, these, last, these last judgments that we're facing now. But it all started with the seals. And Jesus is the one that was worthy to open up every one of these judgments that was to come. You see, Jesus is the Christ, the sent one. He is the Messiah. He is the son of the living God. He is the, the lamb of God, and he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he is the only one that can judge humanity because he is the only one who has died for all of humanity. And so, again, I believe that this voice is the voice of Jesus that is commanding these angels to go forth. Jesus said this in John chapter 5, verse 22, the Father, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. Jesus is the one that will judge everything, because the Father has given him that authority. The command is to the seven angels. And I think that I've brought this up before, but I will reiterate it once again. I will say it again. The angels do nothing on their own. Nothing. They only do what they are commanded to do by God. They are there for His bidding and His bidding alone. They never grow, go rogue in that sense. They exist only to serve God. You see, angels, as we've seen a lot of them through this book, angels play an important role in the book of Revelation. We have seen it. But they've always played an important role throughout humanity, throughout the history of, of humanity. As I was looking at this from the very beginning, when, when Adam and Eve, they sinned, and they were in the garden, and they were thrown out of the garden. It says that he put a cherubim, uh, an angel-like being, at the entrance of the, the, the Garden of Eden so that they wouldn't go back in. And so he, he has used angels from all time that we can remember throughout human history. We've seen angels come and go. And they are always at his ready. Always to be used by God. And we are, are different from angels. We are totally different from angels because we, as humans, have free will. Angels don't. 
we can be redeemed and angels can't. Now, we do know about those who rebelled against God and God dealt with them immediately and, and kicked them out and there is no hope for them and they are awaiting judgment. There is no redemption for those fallen angels. But you see, Jesus didn't die for the angels. He died for us. <laughs> and we should be desiring to be more like angels in that sense that they always want to serve God in everything they do. And we should have that same kind of desire that angels have. To be at His bidding. To be at God's ready. To be able to do what He has asked us to do. Why? Because He loves us so much. He's a good, good Father, isn't He? And we, we should be desirous to be at the ready for His good will and His good pleasure. And so the command is that he gives these seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of the wrath of God on the earth. Now I found it interesting, again, because of our vision for this year, I found it interesting that, the, the, that right before his second coming, he, he gives this command to go forth. And pour out his wrath. But right before he left the earth, after his first coming, he commanded his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And so Jesus is the one that gives commands here. He gives the, com the command to, to his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. And he gives the command to the angels, go and pour out my wrath upon all the earth. It's like, whoa. He came the first time as the lamb. He comes the second time as the lion of the tribe of Judah. All that he does, the commands to go and pour out his wrath, understand that it's not like this wild stampede by these seven angels who just are so gnarly, man. And just like, yeah! You know, you see these war movies, you know, these, these old, you know, they're flying out. You know, these guys with the bowls running. It's, it's, not, it's not a crazy and wild stampede. It might look like that to those who are still on the earth because they're going, these, these, these judgments, this wrath will come so quickly and so completely. But understand that the, 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 the judgments of God are measured out methodically, as we have seen. Precisely. He, he is so good at making sure the, the, the measure of his wrath comes out exactly the way he wants it. Now understand, it is coming out full strength now, <laughs> as we have seen. I can guarantee you that this judgment, this pouring out, it, which will be methodically and precisely, I can guarantee you that it will be done in an orderly manner because God is a God of order. Because God is still in control out of everything that's going on in the world. During the tribulation time, He is still on the throne. Nobody else is on the throne but Him. The commands that go out are coming from Him in that sense. And so everything will be done decently and in order, even His judgments. God at one point in history said that His Spirit shall not strive with man forever. For He says, for He indeed is flesh in Genesis 6, 3. He says that right before the flood came upon the world. When he judged mankind at that time. Now, because of all these judgments and how they come, and because of the flood, the way it kind of looks, I know it's not always politically correct to say that, that God brings judgment upon man by using natural disasters. Because again, when you look at the flood, you can see, it's like, man, that's a huge worldwide disaster, you know? 
but it's a flood, it's rain and stuff, and we're thinking, that, well, it's, it's, it's a natural disaster. It's like, yeah. But you see, he has and he will use natural disasters for his purpose. Now, now don't get me wrong. I don't, I'm not saying that every natural disaster is a judgment on, on, on man. But then again, <laughs> who knows? Who knows if they are? They just happen all the time. And again, I understand that natural disasters just happen to happen. <laughs> but God is in control of everything. He knows everything. And so I want to I understand that God is in, in control of the weather. He, as we're going to see, He is in control of everything. So I don't know exactly if every natural disaster is according to His plan or His will. But I know He knows about it. Now, I do find it kind of interesting that some insurance companies will not cover acts of God. They, they, they might not acknowledge God in any way, shape, or form, but they just want to get out from pain. It's like, oh, that's an act of God, these natural disasters, some of these. We cannot cover those. Now, again, the flood does look like a natural disaster. But it was certainly an act of God. You know that from, from reading the scriptures. And all of these judgments that we have in the book of Revelation are truly acts of God. And he will use natural types of disasters for all that, however he might use them. But they are acts of God because they are the wrath of God that is being poured out on the earth. Verse 2, it says, So the first went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came on the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. As in the first trumpet that was sounded, it, it affected the earth through a judgment on plant life. Now, the first bowl that we have here that is being poured out, it, it affects the earth through the judgment upon human life. It says that, that as this, this bowl is being poured out, and I shared with you how it's more of a saucer instead of a bowl, that it just comes out quickly and completely. And so this first bowl gets poured out and it says that, that a, 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 loath, a, a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men. Now it wasn't on all humanity in this sense, but it came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. It was specific. This judgment was coming upon these particular people. A foul and loathsome sore. Now, the word sore can also mean ulcer, much like a boil. I don't, I don't know how many of you guys have ever dealt with boils. When I was a kid in grade school, I had boils. They are painful. I still have scars from boils, one in my hand right here. I always point to it. <laughs> But I've had boils. They suck. <laughs> they hurt. And as a kid, it's like in being from a Mexican family, man, they had all these remedies and all these crazy stuff. It's like, I don't think they ever took me to a doctor. <laughs> I'm sure I've seen a witch doctor here and there. I don't know. But, but man, it's like, so when I'm looking at these sores here, and it has ulcer and boils attached to it, it's like, oh, I know what it feels like. I don't want any of those. Because they are painful. And these sores will be painful and oozing with pus. Yeah. <laughs> you should Google, Google some of those things. It is gross if you can handle it. I have to make 
I have to Google these kinds of things so I can tell you how gross and grotesque they are and make it even sound worse up here. <laughs> these sores are unclean and disgusting. But they also carry words like, as far as foul and loathsome, evil, bad, and wicked. Which I found interesting that those words are associated with these, these foul and loathsome sores. Because it kind of almost, point, almost points to the character of the people that these sores have come upon. The fact that they're loathsome. The fact that, that, that they're, they're, they're foul. And, and these words that are associated with the ones that it comes upon, those who have, who, who have received the mark of the beast and worship the image, kind of points to their character. It's interesting because, again, it comes on these particular people. It means that the rest of the people, and there will be some, that will not have the mark of the beast or will bow down before this image, even during this time of the great tribulation. Somehow, they will be not, not bowing down to them. These people will be exempt from these sores. And it's interesting because when you go to Exodus, when the, when the plagues were coming upon the children of Egypt, the children of Israel, for the most part, were exempt from a lot of that. And so God is able to, to be particular on who receives the judgments. And it's almost as if God, these who had already received the mark, of the beast, it's almost as if God puts his own mark on these people. And he kind of dis and, and they're kind of distinguished from all the rest, inasmuch that they wanted to, to reject God in everything. God says, Because of the way you've rejected me, it will come at a price, a painful price. And the beast and the image that they worship will be of no help to these people, not whatsoever. And these people who have received this mark and worship the beast, they will not be able to buy or sell their way out of this one. <laughs> because that's the way they, they take care of everything now. And I'm sure that they will have their universal health care at that time. That these people will will provide for them and take care of them. And they will say, we will be everything you need us to be. And then these loathsome and, 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 and foul sores fall upon us like, can't help you, that's an act of God. We don't cover that one. Nothing will be able to remedy them. They will continue to be foul and loathsome. Because these sores will be more than just painful and real. They will, it will hit their character that they themselves have been evil and bad and wicked. Verse 3, it says, The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it became blood as of a dead man. And every living creature of the sea died. Again, going back to the second trumpet that struck the, the sea, so too the second bowl that is poured out on the sea. But the difference is that this judgment affects all the sea and not just a third of the sea, as is said in, in the second trumpet. So because it, it, it covers all the sea, we can surmise that that, this, that, that it affects everything because it says every living creature in the sea died. Which is crazy if you really think about that. It sounds pretty far-fetched. But then again, Jesus did say in Matthew 24, 21, and 22, for then there will be a great or be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor shall ever be. 
And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. For, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. You see, what we see here, the fact that every living creature, and again, you're going, every living creature, it's like, it said that. I didn't make that up. And when you look every in the Greek, it means every, all. Again, it's something that has never been seen before. When the flood came, it doesn't tell us that every creature in the, in the sea died. But all the other creatures died. And so, again, this is something that, that, that is so beyond what we could even imagine. Some commentators do say that this could be a phenomenon called red tide that looks like blood. These, these microorganisms that, that kind of suck up all the oxygen in the water and kill every living creature that, that comes in contact with that micro organism but this phenomenon happens in certain areas of the world now it's quite possible it could hit everything but i don't think it's that this is the hand of god if he's using something like that okay i i i can buy it but more than likely it's just going to be blood (laughs) it's just going to be blood that 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 kind of somehow begins to kill everything because he says it's like the blood of, of man, of a corpse, which means that the sea will become thick and coagulated, congealed, <laughs> clotted, thickened, almost to a gel. Not to mention <laughs> that all these creatures that die will float to the top somehow. I was reading an article the other day that in Chile, all kinds of fish, I mean, millions of fish were just washing up on shore, dead. And I'm looking at this picture and I'm studying this stuff and I'm going, that, that, that's going to be nothing compared to this time frame. Can you imagine of all these, these, these creatures hitting the shores and the, the stench and the stink and the, the disgusting odors that, that, that will happen, that will be all over the place. I don't think it's just going to be on the coastal. This will permeate inland more and more. And, and I, was, I was reading a lot of what Mark Matthews has shared in, 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 in his commentary. That I, I, and, and less than 10%, less than 10% of the ocean has been explored. I mean, there's so much more that he gave. You can talk to him about it. But 10% of the ocean is the only thing that man can... can 90% of it hasn't even been found. And all these creatures will be dead. It's like, my goodness. Now, this has to be towards the very end of the Great Tribulation, knowing just how important the sea is to the whole ecosystem of our world. Understanding that. It, it, it would be long-term, like, it, it, it would be impossible for, for man to continue to live without the ocean like that. This would be a worldwide catastrophe. And this is only the second bowl that's being poured out. It's hardcore. So we go into verse 3 or verse 4. Then the third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. The oceans contain 97% of all the earth's water. And now the last 3% is hit. All the springs, all the rivers, all the fresh water only adds up to 3% of all the world's water. Isn't that crazy? And that too will be turned into blood. Again, going back to the third trumpet, when it sounded, a third of the fresh water became wormwood or bitter. And it says that many men died because of that. And now all the water supply has become blood. It's interesting because, again, you really can't go more than three days without water. So, again, my, I'm trying to 
try to figuring this thing out. It's like, okay, well, you have all your sports drinks, you have all your other stuff, <laughs> you know, okay, you know, maybe, maybe you can live a little longer, but man, oh man, this has got to be towards the end of the tribulation. That he's, he's winding everything down with these kinds of judgments that is coming upon. Now again, now we go into verses 5 through 7. It says, Then I heard the angel of the waters saying, You are righteous, O Lord, the one who is and who was and who is to be, because you have judged these things, for they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. For, that, for it is their just due. And I heard another from the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Now, I found interesting, what I found interesting here is that there is an angel that is in charge of the water department. I <laughs> He, he, he has authority over all the waters. And so my little pea brain is going, so is there angels in charge of all the utilities? <laughs> all the natural resources. Which is interesting, again. I mean, I, 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 in my mind, I'm like kind of laughing at this, but I'm going, whoa. Does God have set angels in different areas going, you're over that, you're over that, you're over that. And they all... God's going, and they're going, what do you want? What do you need from me? And this one that is over the waters, the angel that, that, that has authority over the waters, he begins to say something here. <laughs> that God is righteous in everything, in bringing about this judgment. Now, even though angels are not like men, they do understand all that God has done on behalf of men. And they also understand all that man has done to God and to his people. And so this angel of water understands that what is true and what is righteous. He knows what that is. And it's not like he's sad that he has to bring this judgment. And it's not like he's happy to do what what he has been ordered to do. He just knows this is right. And he says that. He says this is right on your behalf. You just tell me what to do. Now maybe if he did have an opinion, he would be thinking, why has it taken you so long, God, <laughs> to bring these judgments upon these people? You see, they understand, they see what God has done, that he sent his son for mankind, that he has died for all their sins, he's redeemed them. And I'm sure they're looking at humans going, I don't, I don't understand why you don't get it, <laughs> if they have an opinion. Verses 5 and 6 in the Living Translation first, and then in the Amplified Translation. In the Living Translation, verses 5 and 6 says this, You are just, O Holy One, who is and who always was. Because you have sent these judgments, since they shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, you have given them blood to drink. It is their just reward. The Amplified puts it this way, righteous, just. Are you in these your decisions and judgments, you who are and were, O Holy One, because they have poured out the blood of your people, the saints and the prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. Just uh, such is their due, they deserve it. I'm thinking, whoa, that's pretty powerful. These who have shed the blood of God's people says, here, now you can drink the blood. That's all you get. You deserve that. I'm thinking, man, Lord. Again, like I told you last for the last couple of weeks, God's judgments at this point are undiluted, not restricted. Guys, I don't want any of that kind of judgment in my life. I want his grace and his mercy unrestricted, undiluted, but not his judgments. 
not His judgments. And we have never in the world history seen God's wrath come upon the world as He's coming upon them now. Because it is in full strength, as told us in Revelation 14. In full strength. It says, And I heard another from the altar saying, Now most translations put it this way, And I heard the altar saying, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. There is an altar in heaven that is before the throne of God. And this altar has been featured in all three sets of these judgments. It was in the fifth seal, and it was right before the seven trumpets sounded off. In Revelation 6, 9 through 4, or 9 through 11... It says, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, till till you judge and avenge your blood on those who dwell on the earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them, that they should rest a little while longer till both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. And then in Revelation 8, 3 to 6, says, And another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there was noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. And so here we have, once again, the altar being spoken of in the last set of judgments. And it seems like the altar itself is speaking, or is it the saints that are under the altar that are speaking? Because at one point they say, how long, Lord? And he says, just wait a while. Here he says, true and righteous are your judgments. God is just and God is true in all his ways. He has always been that and he will always be that. And I know that we often want God's judgments to come right away, especially when we've been wronged by someone. It's like, Lord, just get them right now. Aren't we like that sometimes? We want their just due right now, Lord. But what we tend to forget about is just how long-suffering God was and God is with you and I today still. That he does not give us what we deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve, and that is his mercy and his grace. Because you see, God has always been patient. He has always had this loving kindness and his long-suffering. We don't want his judgments. We want that. (laughs) But true and righteous are your judgments, O Lord. O Lord God Almighty, the omniscient one, the omnipotent one, all of who you are, Lord, thank you for being true and righteous. And it says in verses 8 and 9, we'll finish with these. Then the fourth angel poured out his bowl and the sun on the sun and power was given to him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat, and they blasphemed the name of God, who has power over these plagues, and they did not repent and give him glory. Now, right in line with the fourth trumpet, the sun is involved in this judgment as it was in the fourth trumpet. Now we are in this fourth bowl. Now, when God poured or sounded the fourth trumpet, 
God held back quite a bit. Because he says that he, 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 he touched the sun, the moon, and the stars, but he only touched a third of them. So he, he held back two-thirds of his judgment. But here with the bold judgments, it is all in full strength. He touches the sun somehow, and it will scorch men. This judgment here will truly be hardcore. This judgment will be true global warming to the max. And it will not be man-made global warming. I think man thinks too highly of himself to think that he has that much power to control the climate or to change the climate. And it has become a religion into itself or unto itself. Be careful. Some think that this could be caused by some kind of radiation from some weapons that are going off. And it could be possible, but this is the Lord's doing. And the people are feeling the burn. (laughs) They're feeling the heat here. And they know exactly where it's coming from. They know that it's not man causing this. (laughs) Because they're not cursing man for this kind of global warming. (laughs) They're cursing God. They are blaspheming God because they know exactly where this judgment is coming from. And the fact that it says that they did not repent is not so much that they did not repent so that they could have salvation... As we talked about last week, that chapter, verse 8, kind of proves that from here on out, there is no more hope for man as far as salvation. The fact that they did not repent is that they just did not stop and turn from blaspheming God. And they did not own up to the consequences for the rejection of God. They just continued to blaspheme. They did not want to take it like a man and say, this is your just due. The fact that they have no power over these plagues that they didn't cause, nor can they stop. (laughs) You see, I think we have gotten to a point as humanity, because of everything that we know, all the technology, all the knowledge that is out there, I think man has gotten to the point that he thinks that he could do it all. And he doesn't need God for anything. He could create things and he could destroy things if he wants. They have no need of God. And that's where we're at today. And it will only get worse from here on out where they don't want to acknowledge God. Because there is no way that man would ever give God glory. Because they would have to admit that he exists. (laughs) But they don't mind blaspheming God even though they admit he doesn't exist. (laughs) Which I find ironic. They They don't want to acknowledge him. But they will always acknowledge him to say that he does not exist. The way men blaspheme God today is nothing to the way it will be during the Great Tribulation. Where they think that they will be in total control of everything. But it's not called the revelation of Jesus Christ for nothing. So whether they acknowledge Him or not, whether they reject Him or not, whether they blaspheme Him or not, Jesus Christ is revealed through it all. He is in power. They have no power over all this. And and we'll see in the next judgments that we'll cover that the Antichrist, the beast, the image, they have no power whatsoever when it comes to the power of God. None whatsoever. Christ is revealed throughout the Word of God from beginning to end. From Genesis to Revelation, He has shown us how to receive salvation. And he has warned us about the judgment to come. In other words, he has held nothing back from his creation. 
And people can accept him or they can reject him. It's up to people. And I don't know where you're at today. I know many of you have received Jesus Christ. Salvation is yours. You can bank on it. You have that assurance that he is in your life and you have eternal life for here to eternity. But there are some who may be coming and they come every week and they've never really given their life over to the Lord. And he has warned you once again about the judgment to come. And you have no one else to blame but yourself. Because God is that good to you. That he will show you how much he loves you by giving you salvation. And he shows you just how much he loves you by warning you of the judgment to come. But he won't force you. He will not. Let's pray. Father, even as we end like this right now, Lord, I do want to just give that opportunity to anyone who is here this morning, Lord God. Father, you, you have brought them here. Lord, maybe they were thinking they were going to hear a Mother's Day message. And yet, Lord God, this is what you desired for them, to show them your love once again and your long-suffering and your patience and your loving-kindness once again, Lord God, to remind them that there is hope for salvation today. But there's a warning of the judgment to come. And so I pray for anyone that's in this room right now, as the rest of us are praying for you, that if you're here this morning and you need Jesus in your life, that you would stop playing a game with yourself and with the people that are around you and get serious with God because there is a judgment that's coming. And I want to give you that opportunity and I give you these opportunities all the time because I don't want you to miss it <laughs> because he loves you that much. He is a good, good father. And you can just respond by raising your hand and saying, Pastor, please pray for me. I need salvation. I don't want the judgment. Not one bit. Is there anybody here? I see your hand, buddy. Amen. Anybody else? That from this day forward, those who have raised their hands right now, you will never doubt your salvation ever again because he is that good to you. Is there anybody else? Father, I do thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, for those who have raised their hand right now, Lord God, that, that they're crying out to you, that, Lord, as I'm praying over them right now, Lord God, that they would be talking to you and asking for forgiveness, Lord, and thanking you for dying for their sins, for, for judging all that they are on the cross right now, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord, that, Father, you would change their hearts, that from this day forward, Lord, they will never doubt the salvation that you have given to them because you died for their sin, Lord. And thank you that you have judged their sin on the cross and never to be judged like that again. We thank you, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord. I pray for them right now that in the assurance that they have of their salvation, they will go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, Lord. Teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that more will come to know who you are, Lord God. You're the one that gives these commands, Lord. And I pray that, God, you would just use us as a fellowship of believers to go and reach the lost. In Jesus' name, amen. God